Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this service, we hope to see you this Sunday at either 8.45 a.m. for our praise and worship service or 11 a.m. for our traditional service. Now, here's this week's message. Good morning. So I'm glad to be here once again with you as we continue our church sermon series or church-wide series called Believe, where for the past two weeks, this is the third week, but it's going to take ten weeks, we're looking at the foundational truths of the Christian faith of what we believe and really why it matters. Remember the first week we talked about God and that we believe that the scriptures reveal to us that the scriptures reveal there is a true God. He's a triune God, meaning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we could trust this God. Last week, we talked about a unique aspect of our faith in that this God, while he is the creator of the entire world, is also a personal God who wants an intimate relationship with each one of us. And today, today we're going to talk a little bit more about how personal this God is, because today we're going to talk about the salvation that he has provided for us through Jesus Christ. Now, who's heard of salvation before? All right, most of us, that's a good thing. Okay, and as I thought about this topic this week and preparing for the message, I I really just remembered how confused I've been about salvation as a follower of Jesus. See, when I was younger, I would go to church every week in elementary years, and we didn't have children's church, and so I would sit in the pews, and at the end of every single service, the preacher would always end, if you don't want to go to hell, repeat after me. And as a kid, I can promise you, if those are my two choices, going to hell or saying what he says, guess what I chose to do? Yeah, repeat after him. But then he'd say stuff like, and maybe you didn't mean it the first time you did it. I go, but I did it last week. Maybe I really didn't mean it last week. How do I know if I was sincere and really meant it last week? So I went ahead and said it again that week. And I would go home, I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating, I would pray the prayer of salvation every single night just in case I didn't mean it the first time. And then, well, then I heard about the unpardonable sin. Meaning I can do something that God won't forgive me for. So I would go to God and say, God, will you forgive me even though you say you're not gonna forgive me? I need you to forgive me so I can go to heaven because I want salvation in Jesus. And just in case I didn't say it the first time, I do mean it this time. I mean, seven years old, talk about being stressed out. Talk about not understanding. You see, when I think back to those days and I think about salvation, I don't remember hearing good news. I remember hearing scary news. I heard nerve-wracking news, but it was never really good. And maybe that's the experience that you've had. Maybe someone's told you about Jesus. Maybe someone's told you about God, and, and, you know, it sounds like God's just angry and mad at you, so it doesn't really sound like good news, or maybe the preacher's always yelling. Y'all ever been around a yelling preacher? Yeah, and you're just like, man, I don't know what happened to this guy. He stepped on a nail this morning, but he just sounds angry. So maybe your experience is, yeah, I've heard about Jesus, but it really never sounded good news. Well, the gospel means good news. This thing should be packaged in a good way. And second, I really never understood how salvation impacted my everyday life. You see, I always was told to say this prayer so I go to heaven. 
And all I thought that meant was I was said this prayer so I could cross the magical threshold of heaven, right? Y'all with me? Like if I said the prayer, I get to go here. But that was a long way away. So what did salvation matter now? What did Jesus matter now? What did the gospel matter now? I mean, you wrap that with eternal security. That gave me a license to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Because I never thought that the gospel mattered now. Just, just one day so I don't go to the other place. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've heard about salvation, you heard about Jesus, but you don't really understand how it matters to the everyday now. I mean, what, what does Jesus, what does salvation have to do with life today? Because I don't know about you, but for me, especially growing up, life was, life was hard. Life wasn't easy. And so how, how did Jesus, what did Jesus offer that? You see, later, I mean, today I can look back and I realize my fundamental problem is I never embraced the grace of God. I never really understood what grace meant when it comes to salvation. In fact, studies today, modern studies show that the most important element for us to grasp and really understand and live into, the foundational element is grace. That you and I cannot have a deep relationship with God if we don't understand grace and really live into that. And so Paul wrote to a church who's struggling with the idea of salvation. What does it mean? What did Jesus do? How does all this work? And, and look at what he tells them. It's found in Ephesians chapter two. He says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You see, Paul's writing to people who believe in Jesus and said, listen, you can't earn this. It's not about what you've done. It doesn't matter how many good things you've done. It doesn't matter what your job title is, what your education is. It doesn't matter how long you've been at a church. Because, I mean, if we were to be honest, they're probably a lot like us. We're like, hey, well, my great-grandma went to this church. Paul's like, okay. Well, I, you know how much money I give? Okay. Our salvation isn't based on our works or our prestige or our family lineage or our history. Our salvation is based on Jesus Christ. And why this is so important is because that means you and I have the same starting point. Who is that starting point? Jesus. And so these things that churches, I mean, especially read the, the letters to the church in Corinthians, I mean, Corinth. This idea that we earn or we do, it's about my merits and my works and my education or my prestige or my money or my history or my lineage. Paul says, no. It's about Jesus and what he has done. Our faith is not based, our salvation is not based on our works, but on the works of Jesus Christ. The other day I started watching this show called The Good Place. It, I found it on Netflix. It's been out for a couple of years, and I tried to watch it. It looked kind of funny about a woman who goes to heaven. I was like, oh, this might be comical. Let me watch it. I'll be, I admit, I didn't, I didn't get very far. Maybe you've watched it. But the very beginning, it's about a lady who goes to heaven. And she's meeting, I guess it's one of the angels. I don't really know. I didn't get far enough to find out who it was. But in that, she talks about where am I? Talks, you know, you're in the good place. It's called heaven. There's a bad place. Doesn't really talk about it much. And they said, well, who was right as far as faiths? And they said, well, everybody was about 5% right. And they said, the way this works to get into heaven, it's a point scale. 
that basically you have to do more good things than you do bad things. And if you do enough good things, you get to come into the good place. If you do enough bad things, you go to the bad place. Kind of the pivotal point is that, well, what they thought she did wasn't really her. They got her name mixed up. So she has the dilemma of, does she tell the truth and then end up going to the bad place to try to deal with being in the good place? You see, that's called salvation by works. You say, well, Brian, of course we don't believe that. And I venture to say that many of us hold to it that many of us live as if what we do is going to earn us some prestige, what we do is going to earn us something or some greater favor or some better position. You see, unfortunately, many people think this way. But that's salvation based on works. And could you imagine if God really judged us based off of our works and you don't get to see the scoreboard? Wouldn't you at least want an app for it? that you could wake up every day and check how many good things you've done versus how many bad things? Could you imagine if he just blindly judged and we didn't know if we were in his good graces or we weren't? But you see, the Christian faith, it's not based on that. And so Paul's right in this church, and for us, we've got to remember this. We've got to remember the big ideas here. And so Paul's right and like, hey, don't you remember that we are all broken Every single one of us, you remember at the very beginning of the Bible, we learned that in the beginning, God created what? Right, everything. And humans shared a special relationship with God. We were made in his image to rule on his behalf. I mean, that's actually in the Bible. We were made to rule on behalf of God. So we were made for his purpose. We were made to glorify him. I told you the best metaphor, best illustration I've heard is that we were made to be angle mirrors. We're to reflect God's goodness and God's greatness and God's love and God's mercy and God's creative order into the world. So we mediate on his behalf and then we sum up all the goodness and all the praises and we sing them back to him or worship him, right? We thank him. So we reflect his goodness and greatness and then we reflect the other things back to him. And so we shared a special relationship with God that no other uh, created thing did. And because of this special relationship, and it's rooted in love, well, that means we have a choice because the foundational element of love is a choice. So for us to have this love, we had a choice. We could continue in fellowship with him and obey him, or we could do things our own way. And as you know, we learned about Adam and Eve. They represented mankind, and they chose to disobey. In fact, we've done that ever since. And the consequences of the sin were far greater than they could have imagined, far greater than we can imagine. And so we are broken. We're broken image bearers, meaning that relationship that we wanted, that relationship we were supposed to have with God has been distorted to where well, we, we can't have that harmony with God anymore because he's a holy God, he's a just God, and we have sin and disobedience in us. And that's why every single one of us feel like something's missing in our lives. You know it's not just you. You don't raise your hand. But every single person feels like something's missing. It's empty. And they need something to fill that void. But the good news is, it's not really good news, but the reality is, is, well, if you look to your left, look to your left. Whichever way your left is, look to your right. Yeah, every single one of us are messed up. Did you know that? 
Like it doesn't matter what family they're from. It doesn't matter what their title, what their education. Every single one of us is broken. Every single one of us has this void. They need to feel, they say, not them. I mean, they got it all together. Yeah, them too. All of us. But see, we get so caught up on looking the outside. We think others have it together and maybe it's just us and we get lonely and we get nervous and we get scared, but I promise you, it's all of us. Not that long ago, we were hanging out with some friends. We, both of us have three kids. Our kids are a little bit older and they look to us and they think we're the ones that got it together. It's awesome because we don't. But they, they're like, Jessica, they're like, you see those pictures you post on Facebook, right? Because if, if you, you're my friend's wife, you see your post on those pictures, like Jessica, your kids are so good. And we're like, what? Our kids are good. They're like, your kids are so good. We're like, no, they're not. They're like, no, but you can get them to sit still and take those amazing pictures. And they're like, my kids would never sit still and take those pictures. I busted out laughing. I grabbed Jessica's phone. It took her 27 pictures to get the one good picture. That is less than 4% of the time we get our kids to capture a beautiful picture. My point is simply that we look at the outside of people's lives, we look at their titles or their prestige or their money or their fame or their job. We think that, well, they must have it together. And I'm here to tell you, you can't look at somebody's highlight reel and compare it to your real life. We're all broken. We're all have a void and none of us can fix it. Paul says, none of us can fix it. No matter how much we try, and we see the stories throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and and in your life, we look to these things to fill the void. In fact, our society, we are so rich. We have the best technology the world has ever seen. We have the best medical advances the world has ever seen. But does, well, is the world getting better? My kids in elementary school did a safety drill for an, a drill for an active shooter training. I'm here to tell you, having to talk to my six-year-old about what that is shows me this world is not getting better. You see, all of these things we think are making everything better. It's still broken, and we can't fix it. And the great news is that God has done something about it, that God has given us a gift, and we call that salvation or being saved. See, the word saved means rescued, helped, or helped, or preserved. See, the message is that God came down to rescue us, to save us, not because we deserved it, not because we are awesome, but because of his grace, meaning he loved us so much, he gave us something we didn't deserve. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Before you did anything good or bad, Christ died for you. Jesus has paid the price on the cross through his blood, through the atonement, and then through the resurrection that ushered in a new way of life that you and I can be forgiven of all of the sins. You're like, there's sin again. Yeah, but remember, sin's the problem. Sin's what separated us from God. Sin is the thing that stopped us from living in harmony with him. So Jesus has fixed that. He has redeemed that. 
And today we watch shows all the time. You know, we're big Netflix fans or whatever. We got all of them. And every show I watch now, almost every modern show, someone's talking about something about being redeemed or rescued or this idea of being recreated. I mean, they're just using gospel language. Everybody, even Hollywood, is looking for how to be redeemed, how to be rescued, how to be well, saved. But the message is it's from Jesus. And he has extended this opportunity to you, to me, and to everyone. And so we have a choice. You can live by faith in Jesus and his works, or you can live by faith in yourself and your works. But you can't do both. And that's where some of us are, and I just we'll talk about it in a second. But the scriptures say we need rescuing, and we're going to try to rescue ourselves, but we can't. So Jesus has come to do it. And you see, faith isn't, is active. It's not passive. So we trust in Jesus. And this is where the reality check comes in. Who likes to face reality? Yeah, none of us, right? Me neither. Right now, now you may not believe this, but I'm having a crisis because I'm getting older. And you say, Brian, you're young. Listen. My hair is thinning out and it's getting gray. Okay, my wife loves to point out those two facts to me. She likes to talk about, oh, well, she goes, Brian, you're maturing. I love it. And I'm like, I'm 20 pounds away from George Costanza. I don't appreciate what you're saying and how you're talking to me. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about this. But no matter how much I try to ignore it, it's still true. My hair's getting thinner. I am getting older and it's getting a little gray. I don't even want to admit that out loud. It bothers me so much. We can either accept that the world is broken and that Jesus has come to fix it or we can try to live in a denial state as if it's not true but we can't do both we can't say I trust in Jesus for salvation but I need to earn at the same time whether it's through my job whether it's through my career that next relationship the marriage the money the promotion all that stuff that makes you feel better you're trying to earn something you can't do both. And if you try to live in both places where by faith in Jesus Christ and trying to earn it, where you're going to have faith like Donald Trump's hair. It doesn't work. It's not fooling anybody. Just own it and live into it. You see, because here's what it looks like to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We'll talk about it first. It's listen to the good news. And the good news is it's all been done for you. It's all been done for me. Listen to the message that Peter says. This is one of the closest disciples to Jesus. He says, Acts 4.12, salvation or redemption or rescuing or restoration, whatever that thing is that you feel like you need, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we, by which we must be saved. There's nothing else that will rescue you, that will deliver you, that will save you. And again, I'm going to repeat myself. Not your job, not your title, not your finances, not the spouse, not that boy, not that girl, not that relationship with your parents. None of this stuff will actually fix us. The hard work, that thing you're fighting and longing for is in Jesus Christ. And as a parent, one of the things I got to say, any parents here? All right, three of us. Some of us aren't raising our hands today, okay? As a parent, the one thing I say over and over again, 750 million times, is listen. Just, just listen. If they would just listen to me, like I'm trying to help you, please 
listen, Jess and I were working in the yard and we heard this big crash. So we came in and Troy dropped a glass and it's all surrounding him and no big deal, it's a glass, right? We just gotta not let him step on shards of glass. I came and said, Troy, what, what are you doing? He said, I dropped the glass. I said, well, how many hands are you using, buddy? He said, one. I said, Troy, how many hands are you supposed to use on glasses? Two. I said, buddy, if you would just, just listen to me. If you would just listen to me, things would go better for you. And at that moment, I felt God saying, yep. Brian, if you would just listen to me, things would go so much better. In fact, Brian, I even wrote a book for you so you wouldn't forget. You see, I want my son to listen to me, my children to listen to me because I want them to have a better life. I want them to do better things. I want them to serve God in greater ways. I want them to go, I just want great things for my kids. I'm not out to get them. I'm here to help them. And many of us think that God is out to get us, that God's trying to limit us, that God's trying to stop us, that God's not for us. But God is just telling us, like I told Troy, listen, you're just not ready for it yet. You're just not ready for the one-handed cup grab yet. He's not out to hurt us. He's not holding us back. A lot of times we think he's limiting us and God is not limiting us. He loves us and wants us to listen. Now we don't have to go do this stuff on our own. We don't have to earn his good graces. In fact, Jesus taught, I mean, if, if you want to do a study, look at the word listening in the scriptures. You'll realize he says it all the time. One of the parables Jesus told is the parables of the soils, which is about the responses, which comes from us listening. Jesus said there are four types of people, those who hear him, but the word's taken from them. Those who hear him but ex and excited about it, but don't have the depth, and when things get hard, they turn from him. Then those who receive his word, they listen, receive it with joy, but then the riches of this world and the busyness carry them away and choke it out of them. And then we have the fourth one, who hear it, retain it, and persevere, and they produce fruit. And that's a gospel-centered life, that they really listen. They really take in what he says. Because salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. So many of us are looking for that next drug, or the next pill, or the next drink, or that next promotion, or that next relationship, or all of these other things we think will fill that hole, or that void. To which Jesus says, it's, it's me. Salvation and rescuing is only found to him. So we hear that, and then what do we do if we hear that? We respond to the good news. As we reorient our lives around Jesus Christ and the grace. When Jesus started his ministry, Mark 1.15, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see, repent means to change your mind about something or, re, or, or change your direction. And so he says, listen, instead of you believing it on your own, instead of thinking you have the answers or you, you can do it good enough or you can find it in something else, he says, repent from that pride. We print from, pride's a big one, but repent from thinking you have it figured out. Repent from that and believe the truth of Jesus. And did you know repentance, while it's the start of the faith and believe is the start of the faith, you can only be saved once. But do you know repentance and belief is something that you're going to have to do every single day of your life? Repentance isn't just something you do once. 
Repentance is something you're going to have to do daily. When we get into God's word, when we hear his word preached or we're studying and we're confronted with God's truth versus our thoughts, our actions, our behavior, when they're not in a line, we have to repent. We have to reorient our lives back around him. Then we have to believe. Believe that he is good enough. Pastor Jeff Vanderstelt says this. He says, we are all unbelievers. He opens his book up with that, and I love it. It's very provocative. We're all unbelievers. He says, when I say we are all unbelievers, I mean we still have places in our lives where we don't believe God. There are spaces where we don't trust his word and don't believe that what he accomplished in Christ is enough to deal with our past or what we are facing this moment or the next. And isn't that true? We fail to believe that the cross was good enough for what we've been through or what we're about to go through. We fail to believe that he's really, and his grace really is sufficient, and we really can trust in him. You see, the reason why many of us, we push back against God and his teaching and his words because we don't understand his grace. God isn't trying to guilt us. God isn't trying to scare us. God loves us. And God wants a relationship with you and I. And it's out of that grace we then respond and we listen to him. When we understand that God is for us, when we understand that God has demonstrated his love that he died for us, when we understand that he has created us to be in relationship with him and that he's given us everything we have, when we understand how much of a giving, great, good God we have, when we really grasp that and we're like, well, why would he give it to us all out of grace? When we understand that that's God's posture towards us as human beings, you have no choice but to reorient your life around this good, great, giving God. I mean, why wouldn't I listen to him? Why wouldn't I want to obey him? Why wouldn't I want to follow him? That's when we think we know better. Well, I know more about marriage than him. I know more about a relationship. Who is he to tell me? Remember, the answer is always he's the creator. So he, that's the trump card. But so we constantly repent. We constantly believe to say, no, he does know better and he loves me. So we listen to the good news that all the work's been done. We respond by reorient our lives around Jesus and we believe in the gospel. And lastly, we just rest in Jesus. We're like, hold on, shouldn't I just try harder? That's not grace. We, we should, shouldn't I just you know, do more? That's not grace. Well, hold on, don't I have to come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and then sometimes on Tuesdays and Thursdays for the meetings and we'll hear Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the meetings. I mean, don't I got to do all this to earn it? So he thinks, no, we rest in the grace of God. And we may do all those other things because he's prompting us, but we don't do it to earn something from him. Listen to what Jesus says here in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, the good news is that you and I don't have to live in a constant state of fearing and worrying. We don't have to wonder, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right direction? Am, am I doing enough good works? Is he going to be pleased with me today? What, is, is God mad all of a sudden? And we can all get into these places, but the reality is we're not embracing the grace of God 
that we can't earn his favor. We don't earn his good graces. He has given it to us through Jesus Christ, and we rest in him. So, Brian, doesn't that mean i got to do some more things or i got to volunteer some more places? I mean, you can do that out of your love. You can do that out of you wanting to serve him. But you want to do that so other people come to know Jesus Christ and make disciples. That's all great, but you don't do that to earn anything. Your salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to ask, what are you, what are you chasing in this world? I mean, is it your career that gives you self-satisfaction and purpose? Is it that relationship? Is it the finances? What, what gives you that security and makes you feel like, yeah, I got it, I'm good, I, I did it? We all, we all have the things we chase, me too. And it's when we start chasing these things, we're not resting in Jesus Christ. It's only in Him we'll find that peace and that security, and that gentleness that all of us are looking for. See, Charles Stanley says, and I absolutely love this quote, he says, God takes full responsibility for a life wholly devoted to him. And that's where we're resting. We're like, well, Brian, hold on. If I'm resting in him, I mean, don't I have to do something? I know, that's called works. Resting in him is trusting in him and worshiping him and living for him and then let him deal with the other things. The reason why, you'll say, Brian, I got this, and, and I'm glad. I'm glad we all understand the grace of God. That's good. You ever been stressed? Then you're not resting in Christ. So what's the problem? Yeah, that's where this comes into place. You ever been worried? Well, yeah, well you're not resting in Christ. You ever try to kick down doors because opportunities weren't happening? You're not resting in Christ. See, you see, that's where it comes into play when those human emotions and those things that we're dealing with, it shows us if I'm not living in rest, I'm living in something else. Something else is happening. And that's not, Jesus hasn't promised to give us worry and stress and anxiety. He's promised to give us rest. You see, Carrie Underwood said a profound theological statement. You remember this? She said, Jesus, take the wheel. Y'all remember that? I've quoted Carrie Underwood in a sermon. I'm pretty excited about that. But it's true. That's what Charles Stanley's saying, that God takes full responsibility for life wholly devoted to him. You're not, responsibility for, you're not responsible for what God chooses to do through you. God will take care of that. God will work through that. He's not impressed with it anyways. He's God. Our salvation and our security is based upon the works of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the great thing. It's not about us. It's about Jesus because God knows that you and I are broken people in desperately need of salvation, and he provided it for us. You see, our key belief is, well, I believe a person comes into a right relationship with God by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so what are you chasing? What's that thing? What's that worry? Because Jesus offers peace and rest. Listen to this. He says, come to me. 
All you who are weary. Are you weary this morning? You stressed out and burdened? How many of us have burdens? There you go. My hand's the highest. And I will give you. Do you have rest this morning? You're not resting in Jesus. You're trying to do something. You're trying to produce something. Take, listen, take my yoke upon you, which is you strap yourself into Jesus. And you will, and learn from me, and I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You want that kind of peace today? You want a life that's not based on your per- being perfect, perfection, making sure all the outside look good so everybody's impressed? You want a life where you can find security, peace, and comfort that's only found by saying, I can't do it. You give it up. I can't do it, but Christ has done it for me. And I'm going to pray with you this morning. I'm going to pray with all of us, and I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I'm going to say a prayer. I'd love for you to say with me, and it's giving your life. It's repenting from your sins, repenting from them, and believing in the message of Jesus Christ. But even if you're a Christian, and there's something else that, if there's something stressing you or worrying you or burdening you, you can still say the same prayer. See, I might have said that prayer all the time because I didn't think I was saved ever. I mean, I had to keep praying it. But for us, there still is something to the habit of repenting and believing every single day. Meaning I need to hold deeper to the gospel. So no matter where you're at, the idea of repenting and believing is something you could continue. Not that you're continually saved, you're saved once. I believe that. But it's the constant believing in the goodness and the grace of God we need to work through. So I'm going to pray. And wherever you're at, I'd love to guide you in a prayer. I'll do that in a minute. But with all eyes closed and head bowed, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Father, you know our hearts. You know the things that we're going through, the burdens we're carrying, the weariness we're carrying, the stresses of our life. God, we just thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the forgiveness that is found in him. Father, we pray that your spirit is just pulling and tugging on our hearts. And we pray that we'll let go what we need to let go of and turn our life over to you. And if, and if you're here this morning and you're ready to just pray and give him your life, you say, God, I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. And I cannot fix my greatest need. God, forgive me of my sins. Today I repent from trusting in myself. And today I want to reorient my life around faith and grace through Jesus Christ. I trust in him as the Lord of my life. And I commit to following him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you for hearing those who've prayed that, whether it's the first time or maybe fifth. We thank you for the sweet salvation found in Christ. Father, it's so hard for us to realize that we can't work enough. 
We can't do enough. We can't earn enough. That what we desperately need is the salvation found by the works of Jesus. Father, help us continually embrace it and live into that grace. We love you and thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.